Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a special programmer's preview of New Director's New Films, our annual festival celebrating filmmakers who speak to the present and anticipate the future of cinema, and whose bold work pushes the envelope in unexpected, striking ways. Co-presented with the Museum of Modern Art. Join FLC programmer Tyler Wilson and MoMA programmers La Francis Hoy and Rajendra Roy as they highlight films from the 51st edition of the festival. This year's lineup will introduce 26 features in 11 shorts, a total of 39 directors, 21 of which are women. New Directors New Films takes place from April 20th to May 1st. Explore the films and get tickets at newdirectors.org. Uh, hello, I'm Tyler Wilson. I'm a programmer at Film at Lincoln Center, uh, and I'm here with my colleagues from the Museum of Modern Art uh, and uh, fellow uh, members of the New Director of Films Selection Committee, La Francis Hui, uh, Associate Curator at MoMA, and, uh, the co-chair of this year's committee, uh, and uh, Chief Curator of Film at MoMA, Rajendra Roy. Uh, hi, La, Raj. Thanks hey, for having me. Hey. <laughs> Uh, today we're uh, going to be talking about uh, some of the films uh, in this year's edition of New Directors New Films, which uh, uh, begins April 20th and runs through May 1st. Uh, this is the uh, 51st edition of this festival. Uh, a year past its golden jubilee, but uh, uh, this year's no less special, I think. Uh, uh, as, as many of you listening may already know, New Directors uh, is, a, is an annual festival uh, co-presented by Film at Lincoln Center in the Museum of Modern Art, uh, which uh, aims to uh, introduce uh, and, and celebrate emerging filmmakers who, uh, who we feel are working at the, the vanguard of cinema. Uh, these are, I think, filmmakers who we feel are uh, imaginative and, uh, and daring uh, in how they approach the craft. Uh, and I think in many ways anticipate uh, the direction cinema is heading. Um, uh, also, I think this is a festival uh, for any of you out there who are just willing to take a chance on, on a film or a filmmaker uh, you may not know too much about yet. Um, I think this is definitely a festival for a, uh, the curious film goer uh, who might be looking for a, a next favorite director. Um, it's, a, it's always one of my favorite festivals, as has been. Uh, even before I joined Film at Lincoln Center. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you two about uh, this year's lineup. Uh, uh, before we maybe get to the specifics, I'll, I'll just add that um, the, this year's festival includes 26 features, uh, two shorts programs of 11 shorts, um, each of which will screen uh, at theaters uh, at FLC and MoMA with uh, Many of the directors appearing in, in person today, uh, so happy to say that this year. Um, uh, of course, uh, for more info on the lineup, the schedule, tickets, et cetera, uh, you can visit our website at filmlink.org. Um, okay, so uh, with that, uh, we could maybe just get to the films themselves. I mean, unless, uh, La Raj, you, uh, you have some general notes or reflections uh, about this year's edition that you want to point out? Well, um, as you mentioned, this is the 51st New Directors. It was actually founded in 72, which makes it 50 years old. And, you know, with festivals, you count the first edition as, as one, right? So <clears throat> New Directors was founded in 1972. 
and I was founded in 1972. So I turned 50 this year and it's the 50th anniversary. So somehow it's a really old festival and this is a really old programmer. So that, that's my intro note. But we are always like young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And, and you said this is a festival for people who love discovery. It's also a festival where people love bragging rights, right? So anybody that was here five years ago at New Directors would have known the name Hamaguchi um, and would have had bragging rights for all the people who are like, who is this guy who's nominated for four Oscars and ends up winning for the second time for Japan, Best International Film. And this is a place where you can see things first and uh, filmmakers first, for sure. And Law, Law has his uh, phone number if you ever want to call him. So. Okay. We'll post that at the end. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, well, I guess maybe uh, a good place to start would be at the beginning with uh, maybe this year's opening night film, uh, uh, directed by Audrey Duan. Uh, I think I'm really, really excited that this year we, we're presenting 39 directors and 21 of them are women. Uh, it's the first time in our festival's history that we have a women majority and we are opening and closing with uh, films by women. And um, let's talk about the opening film. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a um, uh, that many people are excited about. Uh, you know, since its premiere in Venice last year uh, where it won the, the Golden Lion. Uh, and I, I think it's uh, I think its enthusiasm has been you know rightfully sustained since then. The, the lead actress uh, Anna Maria Bartolome just picked up a Cesar for her uh, her performance in the film, uh, which is absolutely in incredible. I think uh, when you see this film, you'll clearly see she's a promising uh, actor that I, uh, I expect we'll see much more of in the, in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Does anyone want to talk more about what the film? I mean is? this. Film is uh, set in 1960s France, and it's about this young woman who is uh, trying to raise against time to get an abortion, which was a procedure that's illegal at that time. And um, it it is kind of interesting to look at this film now, like as if time has not changed. <laughs> I mean, we're still dealing with this problem. And um, so there's a timeless quality to this film. And I like the way it's um, shot and is made. It's like watching a thriller or fear. And um, and it's, it's like you're really in the moment with this character all the time percent and you know it's it's interesting for for all of us who um got, were able to experience this back in september venice we've been anticipating its arrival here in the states and and i think bong joon ho was the president of the the jury in venice and his his colleagues on the jury knew that this would would resonate um far beyond Europe and, and most particularly in the U.S., given the, the rollbacks and, you know, access to healthcare that's happening here in the States. Um, but I don't think any of us knew exactly how relevant, how much more relevant it would be now, even more so than September, alas. Um, and so I, I do think this is a, an incredible opportunity to launch a film into 
the public consciousness in the U.S. Um, at a time when its urgency, um, unfortunately, could not be more um, more spot on, actually. And know that they can both be here for the opening night to speak about the film um, and to celebrate in their incredible accomplishment. Anna Maria's uh, an incredible performance. Speaking of incredible, I think performances uh, in general, maybe we can turn very different kind of uh, portrait of a young lady with uh, the African Desperate uh, from Mark Sims, uh, which is our, our closing selection. Uh, Martin Sims is, a, is an LA-based uh, artist, I think his, his work has, uh, has been multiple uh, forms, uh, from film and video to photography and uh, publishing, I think even presenting lectures. Uh, so she's, she's clearly a, a restless artist. Uh, and I think this film is, is pretty illustrative, but you know how cleverly she uh, dismisses these, um, these, are, these boundaries of artistic disciplines. Uh, and it, it's also a film that shows how naturally uh, experimental and uh, a narrative film is, is capable of, of feeling, I think. Um, uh, but the, the, the film, I'll, I guess I'll say more what the film is about, but uh, uh, it concerns a, a, an MFA graduate played by uh, an artist in her own right, uh, Diamond Stingley is, uh, I think, absolutely incredible in this film. Uh, she's a total star. Um, uh, but it, it followed her on her, on her final day uh, at an, uh, I think, an unnamed in upstate New York, but maybe we can put two and two together. Uh, and it, uh, it follows her uh, over the, the, the course of a, of a day before she heads back um, home to Chicago. It, it's actually the day she, she I guess, graduates or, or receives her, her master's. Uh, uh, and so the film is a kind of uh, like 24 hour hangout movie that, um, I, but I think it's just, uh, it's certainly much more than that. I think it's, uh, it's packed with uh, so many ideas and I think raises, uh, some very sharp questions uh, about the art world um, and it's a sort of uneasy relationship with uh, academia, how, uh, how, how race and relationships are, are navigated in these spaces. Uh, and I, and I, yeah, and um, like I already to, uh, like alluded to, I think these ideas are, are, are animated by such an inventiveness um, uh, that Sims uh, takes on with the sound and with the image. Uh, you know, she's, she's drawing on, everything from from video art to you know making fun of like uh sort of the the deadpan uh nature the, of of text messaging and, and and facetime uh video calls to 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 sampling and and i think also she you know cleverly uh references various coming of age films and uh you know college movie tropes uh i think this film is is so quick-witted and uh funny uh creative so entertaining i think it's um it'll be a great way to close the festival this year we saw this film um i'm sure la and i both recognized that we in a way couldn't turn away. Martine is an artist we've, the museum has, has featured in our galleries actually. So we have a relationship with her. But it's indictment of the art world <laughs> was something that was like a mirror being held in front of us. And it is hilarious, right? Like, truly, truly, even if you aren't 
the butt of the jokes, which I feel like many of us who occupy space in the art world um, can sense that she's holding that mirror up to us. Um, it is, it is a comic tour de force. And yeah, Diamond is definitely, I mean, she's got a deadpan delivery that, you know, rivals greatest, uh, comedians in the world. So, um, no, we're, we're really looking forward to ha having that film anchor the festival. Hi, I'm Clinton Crute. And I'm Devika Girish. We're the editors of Film Comment. The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. So what are some of your favorite films in the festival? Or, or, or I mean, we, we love all these films. I mean, we are on the selection committee. <laughs> you know, a lot of these filmmakers, like they, we, people really don't know anything about. And so it really is our job to, 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 to champion for them, sure that uh, people don't um, um, forget about these films. I'm happy to quickly mention two films that I um, am particularly proud that are part of the festival. Um, although, as you say, we don't have favorites amongst the programmers. Um, one is a German film by uh, Annika Pinsky. Um, it's called Talking About the Weather. And it really does kind of capture the moment that we live in and the title gives it away. It's like, what do we do? How do we interact with people after you know a time when neuroses is kind of like infected every element of our life? It's a story of a relatively young academic uh, woman um, and her relationships in the field with a particularly sweet little cameo by a regular of the um, German contemporary German movement known as the Berlin School. Um, check out, keep an eye out for that. But really is is a very um, of our time um, zeitgeist film that I, I encourage people to check out. Another title that kind of gives away um, a little bit of its ambition is Once Upon a Time in Calcutta, which is obviously referencing many other films, <laughs> several other films in cinema history that have used the Once Upon a Time in a place. Um, and its ambitions are no less than Sergio Leone, I would say in some ways, um, transplanting this kind of huge sprawling tale onto um, a contemporary Calcutta or Kolkata um, with the kind of nostalgic uh, spelling of the city, um, centering on a woman who is involved with a very contemporary medium, which is um, live television hosting uh, and the kind of corrupt dealings of the, the city government around her, her family, the tragedies that happen in this world. Um, and just really refreshing for me to see this kind of um, ambitious epic storytelling um, coming out of out of the region. Um, Tyler, do you have some faves? Uh, sure. Um, well, on that note of uh, a story about you know people hustling, but I think uh, uh, a film that is much much more uh, an exercise uh, in uh, economy in, in many ways is uh, a film uh, from Korea, Hot and Day, Cold at Night. Uh, directed by uh, Park uh, 
Sung Yeol, who uh, not only directed the film, but uh, you know, uh, he co-wrote, starred, uh, edited, uh, and produced it with uh, with his partner Hun uh, Chung Ra, who is who also is um, you know playing his his partner in the film. And Hot uh, uh, Day I uh, screened I think most recently in in Berlin. It was it's a, a narrative film that that follows uh, uh, these two as a, as a couple struggling to. Uh, keep financially uh, afloat, you know, they're working dead end jobs, they're trying to, you know, keep up with appearances uh, among family and, and friends, some of whom uh, very much take advantage of them in uh, very funny ways. Uh, I think this is, yeah, this film, as I mentioned, is essentially made with a, a two person crew. It is, it takes a, I think, a pretty um, unfussy approach. Uh, to its aesthetic, um, but it is also—it's just a very well written uh, uh, story. Uh, you know, these are filmmakers clearly with you know something to say about you know contemporary city living, you know, the, the gig and the the renting economy, uh, and uh, I, I think it does so with like such a a, a quality and, and rare sense of humor. Um, I really I hope it uh, finds an audience in, in the festival because it definitely deserves uh, everyone's attention while it's in New York and, and while uh, Park is is here. And I think that this film, um, a lot of New Yorkers can identify with it. It's like people hustling and trying to make ends meet and 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 the circumstances this couple's in, I think a lot of us have actually experienced that. It's um it's it's filled with humor, and I, I think it's 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 a wonderful work, and it 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 really is um, part of this uh, Korean cinema that does a really really great job in recent years, um, revealing inequality and individual struggles behind a facade of like glorious economic success. Um, I don't need to mention Parasite and Squid Game, but uh, this is a very different work, but uh, I think it's kind of like in that whole family of films dealing with uh, contemporary life in Korea. Um, I'll, I'll also, I'll shout out another film that uh premiered in, in Berlin uh, within their encounters section, uh, which is Shomiaki's Small, Slow, uh, But Steady. Uh, this is uh, an ostensibly an adaptation of a memoir by a, a Japanese boxer who turned professional despite um, uh, her difficulties with uh, living with lifelong uh, deafness. Um, and Miyaki transposes that, that story uh, to uh, the first year of the pandemic. Uh, on, on a young woman who is, is daylighting as a housekeeper in a hotel and uh, on her, in her off time, she's, she's training to become a boxer under the, the, the mentorship of, of an older coach dealing with uh, you know, his, his own health issues. Um, but I, it, it really, uh, uh, it plays with our you know, awareness of you know, certain uh, themes or tropes of sports dramas, uh, also with some very familiar struggles uh, of the pandemic in, I think in really clever ways. Uh, but uh, it, I, it's also uh, very deliberately unconcerned with, uh, you know, the heightened drama of, of a sports movie. Uh, uh, I, I think especially with, with boxing itself, this is not at all uh, a Rocky film. Uh, the, the, the sport, the pandemic, I, I think are more jumping off points. Uh, for uh, the director to work with, uh, you know, 
a number of ideas, but I think uh, chiefly about about language. I think uh, you know particularly about various uh, direct and visual like forms of, of communication and uh, and and how he uses you know film to to you know take us into uh, the main character's world and you know her small uh, intimate social network in, in Tokyo, which um, I'd say is a kind of Tokyo that one you know, we rarely see on screen. Uh, uh, it's certainly like portrayed in an unusual light here is a kind of a, a, a like scruffy, empty feeling. I think, uh, you know, given the, the, the time the film was made, like during the pandemic, uh, um, it's also, I think, beautifully shot on, on 16 millimeter, which adds its own kind of, you know, well-worn uh, quality uh, to everything and, and everyone in the film. So yeah, there's a, a clear interest in, in using the medium uh, to draw on, on textures and uh, create a, a really unique uh, atmosphere. So yeah, I hope, uh, hope you'll check it out. Uh, One of the biggest discoveries for me this year is this film called Father's Day from Rwanda. I mean, we, we don't often see many films from Africa. So when this film was screened in Berlin, I just said, we have to take a look at it. And, and we were all completely surprised by this work. Um, it kind of explores um, Rwandan society more than like two and a half decades after the 90s genocide. Um, the title of the film is a bit sarcastic. <laughs> um, there isn't really a father to celebrate. Uh, the, the men in the film who are fathers are hardly role models. It feels like there is a pervasive um, spiritual vacuum and women and children uh, might be just better off um, being on their own. Um, there is a meditative spellbinding quality to the filmmaking. Um, I remember that there, there are two scenes, uh, conversations between women that are particularly intimate and magical as we are just completely drawn into their mutual empathy and solidarity. Um, those are really magical moments that I often think that um, they're very special because there's no preparation or training that can help a filmmaker film magic, <laughs> you know, the things that it seems like something very interesting happen on screen. You don't exactly know why, but um, it, it really requires some kind of instinct from the filmmaker in order to capture that. So I really, really want everyone to go out and see this film. <laughs> <laughs> must see list, laws must see. And uh, another film I want to highlight is this uh, documentary called Blue Island from Hong Kong. Um, it is, uh, it takes a hybrid approach to the documentary form. It combines like interviews, direct um, recording of events, uh, archival footage and reenactment to tell the very complex story of Hong Kong people's um, evolving identity over decades for, um, from 1960s, anti-colonial government protest 
the influx of immigrants from mainland China during the Cultural Revolution, um, the overwhelming support for Tiananmen student demonstrators in 1989 to what we are more familiar with, the pro-democracy protests of 2019. And what's really inventive and moving is that the film uses young activists of today to reenact um, the, the events that took place in the past, basically playing the activists of previous generations um, to create this very fluid sense of dialogue and uh, continuity. Um, I, I think this is really a work of exceptional depth and insight. And I think anyone who's uh, interested in knowing what's happening in Hong Kong, where it's going, really should look at this work because it tells you about its past and uh, where it might be going in the future. Percent agree. Yeah, really a very moving and timely film. So I guess all in all, this means uh, buy your tickets fast because uh, these films are obviously going to sell out. And uh, We're excited to welcome everybody back to MoMA. Last year, Film at Lincoln Center was our in-person venue as we were still gearing up to reopen to audiences. But both MoMA and Lincoln Center will be open and welcoming guests this year. And we're very, very excited to see you back in our theaters. Yep, on, on Raj's note of seeing everything, uh, I'd encourage uh, everyone to look into our, our uh, all access pass, especially if you're a student, which I, I think is really reasonably priced. Thanks uh, everyone for listening. Thank you, La, thank you, Raj. Uh, and of course, a reminder, if you have more uh, questions or want to know more about the lineup, you can visit our website at newdirectors.org uh, for the schedule and for ticketing information. Thanks, See Tyler. You at the movies. Thanks. <laughs> See you soon.